0: Like, is it too soon anymore to go to someone's place if there's just nothing else to do? And if everything's closing at 11, like after 11, when all the restaurants close and all the bars close, what are you supposed to do? Just walk outside? Like,
2: well, okay, so I think that this is the blessing or the curse of COVID, Mm -hmm. depending on the decision you make.
1: the I'm
3: um, all that. Could all you all Go to go
2: that
3: So good in let's yeah. welcome Kevin back to the podcast.
2: Thank you, thank you, ladies, for having me again.
0: Yeah, welcome back, Kevin. We missed you.
2: I missed you too. Thank I... you
0: for
3: coming back.
2: It was my pleasure. Yeah. Um, yeah, we know, didn't
3: scare you off.
2: No, I, I love. <laughs> I loved our episode, um, and uh, you guys said some very nice things about me. In, in the caption of the last episode, you're like the most Najib Persian guy we know. You know, and all kinds of nice things like that. So it was it was a great conversation, and we talked a lot about. Dating and relationships and, you know, male female stereotypes and things like that on the last podcast. But now we're in the time of COVID. So it's a completely different, you know, landscape in terms of the dating world. So I thought mm, it would be a conversation with you guys.
3: Um, and then also for anyone who hasn't heard uh, the last episode, if you or any new listeners, you want to tell them a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, my name is Kevin. Hi. I am a speaker and a coach. I was born and raised in LA. I'm 28. Um, I work one-on-one with men and women in their thirties on a number of emotional, um, psychological issues. <clears throat> Principally, I work on dating and relationships. Um, I also work a lot on anxiety, depression, self-esteem issues, self-confidence issues. So I, I, my, my mission with my clients and, you know, with anybody that I talk to, if I'm teaching a seminar or something like that, is to give people practical, actionable tools and steps. So, you know, if somebody has a problem, we can talk about what the problem is until we're blue in the face. But really what I try to do is say, okay, here's your issue. Let's find a solution. And how do we move forward and actually help you get the things that you want? So- Yeah, that's, that's what I do. And, you know, of course, like, it's so relevant to dating because people, dating is where the patterns appear in our lives over and over again, because it involves another person. So, you know, people are always saying, saying to me, yeah, like, I keep getting what I don't want in my dating life. And what's, you know, what's that about? So that's where I sort of try to come in and say, okay, let's, let's actually find a solution to this problem. And Change the model that has been set up here:
3: Yeah, Basically, I agree that.
0: the Persian hitch like the movie <laughs> with Will Smith
2: wasn't hitch a matchmaker?
0: Not, no, he would like, he would meet up with men and try to explain to them what they're doing wrong in their dating lives and how to change it to get the outcome they want. Uh, no,
3: uh, but I don't think he works specifically in that. He's just saying that it happens to translate with dating. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just taking your joke too far. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> um, good, yeah.
2: But no, I that's, think that's, that's
3: really interesting because, like, I feel like
2: I I work mostly with women, actually. I work oh, you with, work
3: mostly with women?
2: Yeah, I would say, like, it's probably 70-30, 70% women and 30% men. Um, but yeah, I mean you, I
0: guess that I guess that makes sense I feel like yeah, men are less likely to try to get professional advice on
2: exactly life. men exactly men are less unfortunately less likely to sort of work on themselves mm-hmm. um, you know and they they kind of think that they that they have it figured out but you know a lot of women too especially you know a lot of women it, it takes them until they like reach the age of like 35 37 to realize okay, you know, something's not working and I, I want to make a change. So we can, you know, when, when we have a problem in our lives, it's very easy for us to delude ourselves for a very long time and sort of be in denial and find every excuse in the book why we shouldn't, you know, get some kind of help or some support from somebody else. But I've never understood it because like, you know, if, if you have a cold, you go to the doctor and the doctor, you know, helps you. So I think our our mental health and I think the emotional problems in our lives should be treated no differently.
3: Word.
0: (laughs) Unless you're like me who like never likes going to doctors in general. So,
2: (laughs) well, yeah. But, you know, it's hard. Like nobody, it's not easy to go be vulnerable with a stranger and tell them your deepest, darkest secrets and, you know, it requires a lot of humility to be able to work on yourself and people who do, I respect them so much. I respect all of my clients so much for like taking the plunge because I know that it's not easy.
3: Well, I, I also wanted to comment on what you were saying about that. It These issues sometimes come to surface when you're dating someone or you're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like as much as I, feel that i've worked on myself and i've like solved some problems that i or like just whatever concerns i had with the way i reacted to things or whatever so on um like i wonder if like some of these old issues that I have will come back again. Like once I'm in a relationship, like a lot of times my friends who are in relationships will ask me like my advice or something or what I think. And I give like a really well-rounded, like normal response, like really good advice. And I'm like, Hmm, I wonder like if I was back, like, am I, would I be this like moderate? Do you know what I mean? Would it change? Because like, you know, saying something is really different than like, what is it like practicing is different? What is it? What's that expression? I always forget expressions whenever I'm, I should just stop using expressions and use words. But um
2: what you mean and that's a fascinating point. Look, being single is not easy, but I'm sorry, being single is not fun, but it's easy because it's very easy to be securely attached when you don't have to share your life with somebody else. It's very easy to, you know, feel okay when your issues are not being triggered by a relationship. So, you know, people who have a lot of issues, of course, and I mean, I have a lot of issues. I'm not trying to sound holier than thou. It's easier for them to stay single than it is to get themselves into a relationship because if you have not healed your past trauma, it will appear in your relationship. If you have not addressed whatever emotional problems you have, they will appear in your relationship and they'll be exacerbated in your relationship.
3: You could still address something, but it's still, you know, just because you address something doesn't mean you've like conquered it.
2: Of course. Of course. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a difficult balance because there is a lot of work that you have to do on yourself before you get into a relationship, but there's a lot of work that you can't do on yourself unless you're in a relationship. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It, that's, that's like exactly the point that I think I was not trying to make you.
2: stop being brought up, mm-hmm. you know? But, but then, you know, when you're in a relationship and your issues are being triggered and they are being brought up, whether that's like you have a fear of abandonment or you have attachment issues or, you know, you have an, a temper problem or, you know, whatever it might be, when that issue comes up in your relationship, That's when you have to. A lot of people want to run away from the relationship and say, okay, this is too much. I can't do this. But that's when you actually have to sort of look at yourself and say, how much of this is my problem? And how much of this is the other person's problem? And how much of it is just the dynamic of our relationship? So some issues Mm -hmm. you can work on by yourself when you're single, but some issues you'll only really be able to overcome when those when they're brought up in the relationship and then hopefully you have a loving supportive partner who will, you know, be there for you to to help you get through it when those things are triggered. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? You follow me?
3: Mm-hmm. No, I, yeah, I see that. Uh, well, so this week before like leading the week, leading up to having you on today, we posted on our Instagram asking our followers uh, for questions they had regarding Uh, the dating atmosphere in the age of COVID. Um, So we wanted to ask you about, we'll ask the questions that some of our listeners sent. So, um, and the first one, I think a lot of people will, it was this girl, she messaged us saying, it was more like a topic she wanted us to cover. Uh, So she said messaging first on Hinge slash gender roles. Mm. Um, And then going off of that, I think she was kind of, maybe implying, like, since we're already in such a strange time, should women message first? Or I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Hmm.
2: As in, do I think it's okay for women to message first on dating apps?
3: Or I get like, that was just like a part of it. I mean, obviously like we can do whatever we want. Um, yeah.
0: But like generally do you think the gender roles have changed a lot? because of what's happening with like quarantine? Like are people like less timid now because there's less time to waste because we've already lost so much time to the fact that we were locked in our houses for so long?
2: Mm, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if people are less timid or if they have sort of thrown their inhibitions to the wind because you know we feel like we've wasted a lot of time. I also haven't really dated during quarantine. I had a girlfriend during quarantine for three months um we're not together anymore but other than her i wasn't like going on a bunch of dates and i wasn't on the apps so you know i don't how did you
3: guys don't... meet what's that how did you guys meet if you don't mind we met on Instagram. Instagram? oh interesting yeah.
2: yeah i i i pull i pulled the old slide into her dms
3: <laughs> you know
0: what recently i've heard that that has worked more than it did in the past like in the past it was such a slimy move like nobody would like be like, oh, ew, like this guy just slid into my DMs. But recently I've met a handful of couples that said either the girl slid into the guy's DMs or the guy slid into the girl's. Yeah. But like Instagram really is just a dating app
2: on its own. I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's another platform. It's another way to communicate. I think you have to be tactful about it so you don't come across as creepy. Yeah. But what I was saying is, you know, I, I haven't had that much dating experience in the last three months. So I can't say that, Yeah, I was on Hinge and, you know, women were hitting me up all the time. Um, But I think that they absolutely should. I think that if a girl, you know, is afraid to send the first message or, you know, slide into somebody's DMs or, you know, they want to wait until the guy reaches out or something like that. You know, personally, the few times in my life when a girl has asked me out or has tried to make the first move on me, I've been floored and I've really appreciated her forwardness and the fact that she feels confident enough to do that and you know, doesn't wanna play any games. So I think that you know, COVID has, yeah, it's, it's, it has decreased the size of the dating pool because there are no more like events and places to meet people and stuff like that. And people are losing time, you know? So if there is something that you can do to accelerate the process of meeting somebody as long as you know you feel comfortable, then I think, yeah, absolutely. Why shouldn't a girl be the first one to reach out? Of course, like if she doesn't feel comfortable or you know she's more traditional and she wants to wait and whatever, that's that's great too. And there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, you know, I I, I never understood like I I I I I understand why, you know, in person a girl would want the guy to come up to her and ask for her number and stuff like that, but as the world is becoming more and more virtual, you know, and as our in-person social interactions are decreasing, I think it's perfectly normal and acceptable for the girl to be the first one to reach out.
3: Yeah, I don't, like, think there should be much dwelling on, like, who messages first on Hinge. Like, if... If there's something, like, you have to say, then, like, just say it. You know what I mean? If you thought of something funny, like, to say to their prompt, or, like, you know what I mean? Just go for it. But, like, I also get that, like, oh, someone liked your picture and then you invite them to start the chat and then they never think, they never say anything. And it's, like, I don't know. It's, like, wait, are we supposed to court you to this extent? Like, who do you think? Like, are men becoming that poru? Like, that's there's two sides of this. So
1: um, it, it, it that I that get it
3: both.
2: It could be their root or they could. It could be that they don't like you. You know, I mean. Yeah, but
0: then why would they accept? That's the thing about Hinge is that as a girl, a lot of the time you are liking a guy first, um, and then if they accept the like, like that's them saying they like you back. So if you invited them to start the chat. Why can't they just say hi? It's like you're oh, you're giving them like there's an option if you want to start the chat and just write something right off the bat, or if you want to invite them to start it. So if you're already oh, inviting them to start it, like
2: just yeah, answer. If the, girl, if the girl likes you, then you shouldn't also invite her to start the chat. You should respond and say something. Um, I mean, that that's what I think would be the courteous thing to do. But I think really like what's at the heart of of this matter is The fact that we're discussing all of these rules and all of these games is taking away so much energy and effort that could be put into just building better relationships. You know, like we've got all of these rules and all of these mind games and who does this first and who does that first. And it's just exhausting. I mean, this is why people hate dating. They hate dating because... (laughs) What they would love to do is just feel free to say what they want and do what they want and not have any games and not have all of this you know really infantile back and forth stuff but you know being honest and being straightforward and vulnerable and stuff like that is also difficult you know it 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 doesn't come easily to everybody and then the the other side of the coin is that when you are honest and when you are vulnerable and straightforward a lot of people get turned off by that like when I'm dating somebody, I tell her who I am, what I want, and what I'm looking for from the get go. And a lot of women are floored by that because they're like, wow, he's so straightforward. I don't have to worry about anything. Like I know he's going to be there. He's reliable. But then a lot of women are also like, okay, this is kind of intense. Like, I don't even know you. Why are you telling me, you know, so that, that straightforwardness and, and removing the games, um, it can intimidate people, but at the end of the day, it just wastes less time, you know? So if, if your goal is to enjoy dating and to get into a relationship, then however you can circumvent wasting time and playing games is my recommendation. If that means you send the message first, then go for it. Who cares?
3: Okay. No, I, I, I could get behind that. Um, I don't necessarily – I feel like this could go on and on, but, like, just one last thing. It's, like, it's not necessarily about being vulnerable. It's also just, like – it's so weird to say, like, the right time, right place when it's just, like, messaging someone on a dating app. But, like, sometimes, like, I feel like millennials are just constantly having, like, manic episodes. Not, like, truly manic, but, like, these, like, little spurts where we decide, like, you know what, maybe I'll just message this person. And, like, I've had – like guys where they'll just like immediately kind of ask me out. And I'm just like, oh, that's random, like literally no one ever messages me. And then all of a sudden, like, you know what I mean? It was just like the right timing, right? Not it, like it happened that we were both on board and then like other people like immediately asked and I was just like, I'm not, mm. I don't, you know what I mean? But like, it's just I think it's just right timing that you're both kind of in this like spontaneous mood, even though the interaction is completely online. Right. Um. So like, yeah, I don't know. Like I even sometimes go back, like right before I delete it, I always like look at all of the like old conversations that never went anywhere. And like really like nice looking guys had messaged me like funny message too. And I just never responded. And I think it was just like, sometimes I was just busy and like wasn't actually looking. And then it just happened that whoever I actually did talk to, it was, you know what I mean? It was just the timing. So that's something too. So
2: so much of it has to do with, with just timing and things kind of lining up and you're on your phone and he's on his phone, you know, or maybe you, but you're not
0: talking to anyone else. Like a yeah. lot of people on these apps, they're really only on it to distract themselves from the fact that they're talking to someone else that they know isn't a hundred percent interested, hmm. but they're actually just focused on that person. So they're just on the app to like get compliments, but really they know they're not going to go after any of the people on the app. They're like really, cause that happened to me one time. I was talking to a guy that I was really interested in. So everyone else on the apps, I wasn't really responding to. And then like a year later, I meet this guy through some other friends and we're talking and like, we're just talking as friends. We're like at a, like a party of like a mutual friend on a
1: rooftop and he goes. Home is where you should feel the safest, but the air there can be more dangerous up to five times more polluted than outside air.
0: supposed to add my number and he's like, wait, I already had your number on my phone. We met on uh, like J swipe or something. And you never responded to me, never wanted to go out with me. And I looked at the timeline of when he texted me on his phone. And it was exactly the time when I was talking to this other guy I was really into. And it just like occurred to me like I there's so many missed opportunities because I was so focused on this one person who wasn't 100% interested. And like, look, I missed this guy that maybe could have been something and now he's just a friend. But like, I just like think to myself, like imagine all the misopportunities of people who messaged me and I just like didn't answer simply yeah. because I'm obsessed with like one person.
2: Yeah, so that's a that's a thing that I hear all the time about these dating apps. People will, you know, I'll ask, I'll ask like my clients and friends and whatever, are you using any dating apps? And they'll say, yeah, but it's really just for entertainment. Yeah. What do you mean it's for entertainment? And they say, oh, well, you know, I, I'm just kind of, using it because I'm bored more than anything and I'm like listen that's why people hate dating apps because there are so many people on there who are just using it to mess around using it to distract themselves using it because they're bored using it because they're not getting attention from some other source you know so if you if you are on a dating app use it intentionally you know like with the intention to meet somebody and that means that, If you get a message and you're interested, you got to respond and you can't be talking to 12 other people and stuff like that. And if you're, if you are not really interested, you know, or you're already talking to somebody, your, your attention is somewhere else. Then, you know, don't go on the dating app because then you're not wasting your time or the other person's time. And, you know, the other thing that I hear all the time is, yeah, I have these dating apps, but I absolutely hate them. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people enjoy online dating and it makes them feel more comfortable, but a lot of people hate Hinge. They hate Bumble. They like can't, they can't, they're like dreading logging onto it. And I say, well, then why are you on it? You know, dating is difficult enough as it is, you know, don't, don't burden yourself by doing something that you hate. And that feels like soul draining, you know? So I think if you're going to be on these apps, you got to do it because, you know, you actually like it and it feels comfortable to you. And also because you have an intention of meeting somebody not just because you're trying to mess around or distract yourself.
0: I think a lot of people have to realize also that girls and guys, when they're on the dating apps, they're using it very differently. Like guys, for the most part, when I've seen my guy friends on dating apps, they don't even look at their phone screen. They're just swiping right on every single girl because the guys know that the girls are only swiping right to the guys that they want. Yeah. So these guys swipe right on every single girl and they only get matched with the girls that swiped on them mutually. So like the guys are doing no work. The guys are just like swiping, swiping, swiping. And then we're doing all the work specifically choosing the guys that we're actually interested in. And then the guys get to see which girls are interested in them. And then they choose from us. So just because you match with a guy doesn't mean he was into you. It just meant he was swiping and you matched with him.
2: That's true. The guys are not doing very much work and they're not really vetting your profile, but the guys for every 100 matches you get, the guy gets one match. So get a lot of matches on these apps. That's why they swipe, swipe, swipe. You know, you can wake up and on your, you're a beautiful girl on your hinge profile. You're going to have 15 new, Matches
0: a day. Guy gets <laughs> On, one- only every- when you first download. Hinge has a thing that when you first download it, you're getting 100 matches a day. Yeah. And then the algorithm changes so that after you've had it for like over a month, you get like a match like every 10 weeks. Yeah. Like nobody, and you only get like the strangest, like, outcast guys that nobody else wants okay. to match with no offense to these guys no not to sound mean but in the beginning everyone knows that when you first download Hinge you're getting like models straight off the runway no really it's this weird it's this weird algorithm i'm not even attracted to the models most girls don't like pretty boys so it's not like i'm even like oh these like hot super hot guys are so great like most girls don't like a pretty boy but it's just like a fact that the algorithm shows you I think because Hinge wants to hook you. So in the yeah. beginning, they're like, look at all these beautiful men. Look at all the matches you're getting. And then after you get hooked, they're like sending you all the like trash. So and you get like one match every 10 weeks. It's so funny.
2: Yeah, you know, I I consider myself a catch. But every single time I've been on a dating app, it makes me feel like I am like so ugly and so <laughs> uncomfortable because I'm like, why can't I find one girl I'm attracted to on these dating apps? and so
0: yeah the, the algorithm really i don't know what they're doing over there i almost want to like be a spy and get hired to hinge and j-swipe and bumble just to see what they're doing
2: i know something's going on behind the scenes but
0: yeah
3: for sure they're, they're doing I something shady
2: i hope that answered answered the question yes i think it's no X- i
3: think so X- um natalie do you want to read the next one yes i do oh it's like uh, kind of two questions in one
0: yeah. So basically, it's um, like, when is it considered moving too fast with a lot of cities still in lockdown and other places still having like limited activities? Basically, other than eating outdoors, there's not much to do. When is it acceptable to go over to someone like a sig- not a significant other, but like to someone else's place? Because, you know, like, let's say in normal times, if a guy chose a bar usually towards the end of the day he would like slide it into the conversation they're like oh this bar just happens to be right 0.2 inches away from my apartment oh my apartment's right around the corner how crazy i just randomly chose this place and you're <laughs> like okay yeah this guy's trying to fuck." Um, <laughs> And, and like you would be like, oh, no, I'm not going to come over. But now there's really not that many places to go to. So, like, a guy might try to invite you over to his place for a first or second date right off the bat and, like, just cook in his apartment and eat and have, like, a drink and a cocktail in his apartment. And when is it, like, too soon anymore to go to someone's place if there's just nothing else to do? And if everything's closing at 11, like – after 11, when all the restaurants close and all the bars close, what are you supposed to do? Just walk outside? Like,
2: Yeah. Well, okay. So I think that this is the blessing or the curse of COVID, mm-hmm. depending on the decision you make. So the blessing is that if you make the decision that I'm not going to go over to the guy's house on a first or second date, then you are moving slowly with him and actually getting to know him. And then you actually see his true colors. Like, is he just trying to mess around or does he actually want to get to know me and, you know, take his time? And once it's appropriate, after we've been dating for a couple of months or whatever, then I can go over or a month or, you know, whatever feels appropriate to you, then you can go over to his place. So if you make the decision that in the beginning, it's not appropriate for me to go to his house on a first date, then it means that you actually take the time to get to know the guy and see if he's, if he's serious. The, sorry, my dogs. The on the other hand is that, yeah, if everything is closing and there's nothing to do other than like going to dinner or going to a park, then it seems acceptable. Then it seems acceptable to, you know, go over to his place on a first or second date And now you're stuck there and, you know, there's pressure and or you get hot and heavy and things escalate. And before you know it, you know, you you have sex and you don't even really know this guy. Now, this is coming from the perspective of a guy who has very traditional and modest sexual values. I didn't always. I evolved into that. So, you know, my perspective is that girls and guys should move very slowly um, they can move quickly emotionally, but physically, uh, it's a terrible idea to jump into the sack with somebody before you really know them. If you're lonely during quarantine and you're not looking for a relationship, and you know you don't care about potentially getting COVID and you just want to mess around, then who am I to say don't go to his apartment on the first date? You know that's mm-hmm. a personal choice that every woman gets to make, and it's not for me to tell her otherwise. But um, if you're, in, it's all about your intention. If your intention is to be serious, and I always speak from the perspective of dating for marriage, dating seriously, dating for a commitment. If that's your intention, then even if he means well, even if all he wants to do is cook dinner and watch a movie and he's not even planning to touch you, my opinion would be that it's not appropriate to go to his apartment on the first or second date. And that also puts you in sort of a, susceptible position to moving quickly sexually
0: mm-hmm. you know what's funny i noticed with a lot of my friends even with girls that don't want everything to be about sex and want more intimacy emotionally when a guy doesn't at least try the girl's always going to be offended of like my fr- my friends will like call me and they'll be like i didn't want to have sex with him on the first date but he didn't even try. Like, what am I, ugly? And I'm like, oh my God, like, what do you want from these men? Like, if they tried, they're, they're assholes that just want, like, sex. And then if they don't try, suddenly you're ugly. Like, like so the guy's damned if he does and damned if he's, it doesn't. It's just like, yeah. both ways, you're screwed.
2: There's a lot of pressure on men in that way to do everything right. However, unfortunately, girls are also, at least in our generation, very used to guys being really sexually forward, mm-hmm. so you know, girl, girls, it's kind of normal for for them to sleep with a guy on the first or second date, or it's normal for the guy at least to try. So then, if he doesn't try, I can see how a girl would be confused, like, oh, does that mean he's not into me? Mm-hmm. You know. Whereas if we had sort of like a cultural shift where men were not trying to sleep with women before commitment and women were not expecting him to make that move, you know, then maybe she wouldn't be so offended. Yeah. But
0: I, Millie and I recently came to a similar conclusion. I didn't realize this until recently, because I think when I was, I don't want to like toot my own horn and be like, oh, I'm maturing, blah, blah, blah. But I really do feel that when I was a little less mature, like in regards to like relationships, um, I thought, like, I don't want to wait too long to have sex with a person because then what if I catch feelings for them? And then when we finally have sex, the sex is horrible. And then I'm stuck at this crossroad where I have feelings for someone I'm not sexually compatible with. But I'm starting to realize it's rare that you're going to meet a guy that's so horrible at, like, in regards to sex. And if you have feelings for a person, it automatically makes you guys kind of sexually compatible in a way. And then you start to learn about what the other person likes sexually, and you guys just become very compatible. So I'm starting to learn it really is better in a lot of ways to just wait. Because if if there is that emotional intimacy, the the sex automatically, even every touch holding each other's hand, a kiss, all of it is automatically more compatible and more enjoyable when there's feelings there
2: first. A 100%. And I mean, I talk a lot about about sex and when is it too soon and when, you know, how long should you wait and all this kind of stuff. And the things that I say are not, you know, politically correct. And I get a lot of flack from really progressive people Mm -hmm. about my views on this. But, you know, there are a couple of things that are just universal truths. One of them is that, especially for women, especially for women, the best sex you will ever have will be in the context of a committed relationship in which you feel safe, secure, and emotionally connected. Mm -hmm. So all of the stuff that you hear like in Cosmo magazine and in Hollywood and all of these other media sources about like having sex with a hundred different guys and being sexually fulfilled because you're liberated and you have ownership of your own body and stuff. Yeah, you can do that, but you will not feel sexually or emotionally fulfilled. You'll feel like shit, you know, because that is just... Part of the way that women are wired. Not all women, of course, but most. Most of them, the best sex you'll ever have will be in the context of a safe, emotionally secure yeah. relationship. And yeah, if- I don't
3: see why people should be angry about that. It's like it's like you should celebrate the fact that something is more enjoyable to you because you have higher standards. It's kind of like how women don't have to wrap because like we have clean. <laughs> there's, there's wrong like you guys are clean you were born clean <laughs> yeah. i don't know about all of that but like, don't
2: like you know it I it's
3: see. it's like what's wrong with that why are like i feel like a lot of women yeah in this climate they like chastise themselves and like they don't like these ideas and it's like why why does that upset you like these are good things like those are good things to yeah. those are great conditions to have
2: sex under like why are you Because if if a a lot of people say that it feels like a man is telling a woman, you know, what's appropriate to do with her body, like, the, you know, the whole like feminist thing. And look, I'm. But the most
3: like anti-feminist thing is to be mad about not being like a man. It's like, why are we trying to compete with what men are like? It's like. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, well that's a, don't even get me started on that. That's a whole other topic. (laughs) Yeah. My friend
3: actually went on a date with
0: a guy who tried to use like progressive like feminism as a reason for them to have sex on a first date like they went to they went to a bar and then they went back to his place because conveniently the bar he chose was around the corner from his apartment and they're back at his place and she's like i'm not having sex with you And his response was, why not? It's 2020. And she goes, so because it's 2020, I'm supposed to fuck you on a first date? Like, what? Like, why is that a reason? It was so, so fucking
2: strange. Here's something that guys say all the time, which is just pure unadulterated bullshit. If you ever hear this from a guy, run the other way. (laughs) Guys love to say, I need to have sex with you in order to feel emotionally connected. I need to know. Oh my God! <laughs> I need to have sex with you in order to know if we are compatible. I oh need my God! Is there? But I, you know,
0: you I found- might, I might have believed that back in the day before I ever had an emotional connection, because it. I think some of my friends, it's much easier for them to to find an emotional connection with like many guys, and for me, it's much harder. I've only ever felt an emotional connection with maybe two two guys in my lifetime. But, like, before I ever felt an emotional connection with anyone, I might have believed that. I might have believed that maybe a guy does need to know if the chemistry physically between us is good before he can, like, really catch feelings. And
2: when a, I lot was, of, a
0: lot when of girls are going to feed into that.
2: Of course they're going to feed into it. When I was younger, I used to say those things. I cringed. Uh, I cringed. You were the
0: worst.
2: <laughs> worst. No, I always treated women with, with respect, but I used to say stupid things like that, you know, because I wasn't emotionally mature you know but what you have to understand is that you is is that emotional connection and emotional intimacy has to precede sexual connection you cannot use a sexual connection in order to build an emotional connection you have to use an emotional connection in order to build a sexual connection and that goes both ways because again not all not all but most most men use sex for pleasure and for their egos most women use sex for love so a lot of women have sex with guys because they think that's going to make the guy love the girl more and that's going to make the guy into the girl and it's going to make mm-hmm. him you know be there for the girl but then you hear a million stories of you know i slept with the guy on the first second third fourth date and boom he was interested and that's because most guys use sex for ego and for pleasure not for connection. So if a guy tells you that I need to have sex with you in order to know if the connection is there, it's a complete lie. You know, it's it's just, it's just just not true. If you want to know if a guy is truly going to be there to show up for you, and if you want to know if he's invested in building an emotional and spiritual connection with you, then see how long he's willing to wait. See how long he's willing to wait, and that's how you know if he's going to disappear after sleeping with you or not.
0: I obviously, these are all generalizations, but I I have seen many instances with my friends where they would hold out, hold out, hold out. And a guy will just keep playing the game for like a while and he'll keep going at it until he finally has sex with a girl and then he'll just disappear. And the girl will be left so confused because she'll be like, I waited a while. But like, it's just a game to some guys. Uh, But obviously, these are generalizations and you are correct with most guys waiting will end up like leading to a place where you realize whether or not there's a connection um but some guys really just do keep playing the game until they get it
2: yeah they they do do keep playing the game until they get what they want some of the time but the other thing you have to look at is while they're playing that game how much attention and effort are they giving the girl because mm -hmm. if A guy, if all he wants is to sleep with you and he thinks, yeah, okay, I'll wait two months and then I'll be able to sleep with her. Then in the two months prior to sleeping with her, he's not going to be bringing her flowers. He's not going to be showing up on dates. He's not going to be staying up late at night, talking to her. He's probably not going to get into a committed relationship with her. He's not going to meet her family. If he knows that once he sleeps with her, he's going to ghost her. So you have to look at the whole picture and you have to look at all of the signs to see you know, whether or not a guy is really going to be committed, but you know, something that I always tell women is just as a general rule of thumb, do not let us have uncommitted sex with you. If you're looking for a relationship, if you want to be serious and you know, you're dating for a relationship or dating for marriage, don't let a guy have uncommitted sex with you because it does two things. One is it sends the guy, the message, whether or not this is true, it sends the guy the message that you're easy, that you're attainable, that you're accessible, that we can take advantage of you, right? It, it sends us the message that you don't have enough respect for yourself to wait until you feel that emotional connection. And then the second thing it does, if, if you let us have uncommitted sex with you, is you run the risk of that guy losing interest and you not feeling very good about yourself. Because again, you might be using sex as a way to get closer, as a way to build intimacy and love, but he's probably using sex after one or two dates as a way just to feed his ego and for pleasure. So this is how men and women are wired differently. And this is why women have to be very careful about when they choose to sleep with someone. Now, I just want to say one other thing to be fair, which is that I work with a lot of male clients and I tell them all the same things. I tell them, listen, dude, from day one that we are working together, you are no longer a dog. There is no sex with any chicks before commitment. And if, you, if you're not cool with making that commitment, then I'm not the right coach for you. So I'm trying to raise a generation of men who don't do this stuff and don't say shit like I need to sleep with you in order to feel connected. So I, I just say that so that all the female listeners out there don't feel like I'm coming down on them and saying mm-hmm. you're doing everything wrong and the problem lies with you. No, both men and women need to make much better, more responsible, more conscientious decisions when it comes to when we choose to sleep with each other. So it, it really is up. like
0: Hitch, though. I remember in Hitch, Millie, do you remember there was like in the movie, there was that, that one dummy <laughs> guy. Really? Oh, I love that movie. There was this one scummy guy that comes up to Will Smith, the character that plays Hitch, and he told him, like, yeah, I'm trying to get into this girl's pants. Like, teach me how to, like, win her over. And Hitch was like, I'm not taking you on as a client because that's not what I do. I help men get into relationships. I don't get help men get laid.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And I tell – look, I tell all of my female clients, you know – I am only going to be of service to you if you are looking for a serious relationship and if you're willing and ready to change your sexual behavior, take a look at your sexual past and make changes. And I tell men, I am only going to be of service to you if you are willing and ready to be a gentleman, if you're going to wait to have sex until there's a commitment there, if you're willing to show up for your woman time and time again. You know, if people want to get laid or people want to mess around or people want to know what should i write in my hinge profile so i can see more desirable i'm not the coach for them but if people are looking truly both men and women to build an authentic emotional spiritual connection that will lead to a lasting relationship or lead to marriage then yeah that's that's really where i'm able to help them
3: so there's two things um i think a lot of women and like it's really what we've been saying it's common among millennials to like move really quickly physically Um and I think women will just like they are trying to avoid having sex but they'll just do like everything but and then mm. also part of doing like everything like just fooling around whatever I think that helps some not just the women like a man and a woman when they're dating like become more comfortable and kind of actually let go of some of the games because I do like as much as I agree with you that like you should build um, like intimacy with other ways of getting to know each other, not just physically. I do think that there is like something that a physical connection achieves that you can't always achieve. Like, let's say, you know, it, it helps like, especially for shy people, it helps like break down that kind of barrier, so I think that's oh, like something okay. to consider and I don't condone doing it immediately, but I think there is a time where there um, is a time.
2: There's an appropriate time. Yeah.
3: And then so with that being said, I I'm curious to you, what does commitment sound like you're saying like non you like you don't condone non committing sex. So it's like, what is, how does that, how do you vocalize it? Like, what do you mean by that? What does that conversation look like?
2: Mm, okay. So yeah, first of all, to, to your comment, of course, The physical connection breeds its own type of intimacy and closeness, but it has to come at the appropriate time, you know, on the first or second date or, you know, immediately there's not going to be any sort of emotional or spiritual connection that comes from foreplay or fooling around, you know, just when you first start. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, of course, like it has its place, and you know, we're human beings, we're in relationships, we have sex, of course, it's natural. Just saying that that has to come at the appropriate time. The appropriate time in my book is commitment. And you ask, okay, what does commitment look like? So, the way that I define commitment is you either decide you are dating exclusively, or preferably, you are boyfriend, girlfriend, and the guy actually asks you, to be his girlfriend or you have a conversation and you sit down and you're like, okay, so are we together officially? That, that is when I think is the appropriate time to have sex. Now, for some people that could be, you know, after a month, uh, for some people that could be after two or three months, you know, I can't give you an exact time frame of when you should decide to be in a committed relationship with your partner. That's something that you have to figure out for yourself. But what I will tell you is that a lot of people get hot and heavy, and after a week of knowing each other, they say, okay, let's date exclusively, or okay, now it's time for us to be in a relationship. And they use that kind of as an excuse to like, okay, now we can do everything under the sun sexually, Mm -hmm. because now we're committed to each other. But if you haven't actually taken the time to get to know somebody, you know, and, and if you don't know if they're right for you, at least to the best of your knowledge, then you know, it, it, the fact that you're calling each other boyfriend, girlfriend doesn't really matter. So I think, you know, a, a good rule of thumb is that before your boyfriend, girlfriend with somebody, you should spend at least a month getting to know them, maybe two months, you know, and that has to be time that you're not dating them and dating six other people. Because if you're dating seven people at once, you can't really get to know any one person, you know? So does that answer your question?
3: yeah i mean well it i have like this was something that's one of our listeners asked which is related to that question um it's like how do you ask if the person you're seeing is seeing other people not for like romantic reasons but for the sake of covid
2: mm. is it really like, how do sake- you
3: bring that up without sounding like clingy or like do you know what i mean because it's just like how you're saying if a woman uh caves in sexually too quickly, she comes off as easy. I personally think a woman who caves in emotionally uh comes off as it's for me, that's like my thing. It's like I hate sounding emotionally vulnerable and like giving like I always need the guy to be like 10 times more obsessed with me. And like I'm like hesitant to kind of show to I don't know why that's just how I am.
2: Well, like I'm I'll gonna- never
3: be like, are you seeing anyone else? Like should we be if a- I've never like no
2: back <laughs> <Well, laughs> on you on that for one second because that is your own emotional blockage, right? The the fact that you want him to be 10 times more obsessed with you than you are with him is your own guard. That's your own way of protecting yourself from getting hurt.
3: So I mean like vocally, like I want, do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, that's how I'm more traditional. Like, of of course I won't like a guy unless like I say obsessed. I'm not like, I don't really mean like, I don't mean an unhealthy way, but like I want to equally be into each other, but Uh, like historically (laughs) while I've dated I like when the guy is more vocal about being into me like I'm not going to be and I think that's just like a traditional gender role
2: yeah but there there has to come a time when you feel comfortable expressing your affection towards him and being vulnerable towards him and things like that otherwise Mm -hmm. he feels like you don't need him so if you're always, oh, yeah, neutral, I
3: agree, but I I just like in terms of expressing, like taking the relationship to the next level hmm. um, or not even taking the relationship to the next level, but like asking these things, like, ex- like if you are hooking up with someone, let's say like, I don't really under- understand the context of this question. Um, but just like finding out if they're seeing other people without sounding like I'm making hand gestures for the listeners who can't see. <laughs> I don't know what this hand gesture is. But you know the, what I mean? Like
2: The question is, how do you have the conversation where you say, are you seeing other people without sounding like you're trying to move too quickly or you're too attached or something like that?
3: Yeah.
2: Okay. So, um, well, I know the question said for the sake of COVID. Uh, I mean, if it's really for the sake of COVID, then I think all you have to say is, Listen, you know, I'm trying to be really careful about the number of people that I'm interacting with, you know, just because I want to avoid getting this disease as much as possible. So are you going out with other people? Like, are you hanging out with your friends all the time? Because if so, then, you know, maybe we should hang out when this whole thing is over. It's a little bit safer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think the better question is, how do you have that conversation for the sake of the relationship? And in order to sort of get some closure in terms of where the where the person is at, Um, So do you think
3: the woman should ask that first?
2: um, What, are you seeing other people?
3: Yeah, like what are we or whatever.
2: No, I don't think that she has to ask that first. But I think if the relationship drags on and he is not taking the initiative to establish what you are, then yes, you should ask. It's perfectly appropriate to ask. Um, Again, depending on what your intention is. You might not like the answer to this question but listen if your intention is to be serious with somebody and you like them and you want to keep getting to know them then you got to sit the the guy down and be like listen i just want to know what's going on here are you seeing other people am i free to see other people you know are we you know dating exclusively now you know is that your intention are you looking for a relationship like it might not be easy to have that conversation but it's better to have five minutes of a difficult conversation to know where you guys stand and what the guy is thinking than it is to just drag it out and wait and wish and hope that, you know, he will bring it up. Um, But yeah, traditionally, I would say that it it is the guy's responsibility to establish where you guys are. And if he is really into you, if he's really into you, you're going to know it. If he's really into you, then he's, you know, after a few weeks or a month or a couple of months, he's going to say to you, like, I don't want you to date anybody else. I want to be with you, you know, and ask where you're at. Because remember, guys are possessive, you know, and guys are very black and white. They either really like you or they're very ambivalent. You know, it's guys know within 10 seconds of seeing you if they want to sleep with you Mm -hmm. and they know within a few dates or a few weeks if they want to be with you, if they want to be in a relationship with you. And, That's and- why
0: I was going to say how you pose the question, I think is also important because guys are possessive. So instead of saying, are you seeing other people? You could say, am I free to see other people? Or are we exclusive? Right. So you're kind of posing to oh. him, I'm the one with options and I'm going to see other people you're losing out because I'm going to go date other people if you Brilliant. don't want to be exclusive. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> yeah, that,
2: that's that's brilliant, but my i bet the better the better. <laughs> We're suggestion.
3: coming at from like an unhealthy manipulative point. Okay, <laughs> exactly.
0: Like, Ke- Kevin's like, that's actually not brilliant we don't actually be manipulative, like <laughs> Natalie.
2: No, it's, it's evil scientists brilliant. You know, but I can't in good conscience encourage people not to express truly how they feel and you know be be authentic.
0: No, of course.
2: Yeah. Look, it might be an uncomfortable conversation to have, but if the guy, if you've been going out with a guy for two months and he hasn't established any kind of like exclusivity or you guys haven't had any talk about what you are, you know, there's a few options. One of the options is that he's seeing other people and he's not sure about you yet. Another option is that he's shy and timid and maybe it's hard for him to bring that up. Uh, Another option is that he's just, you know, not that into you. Another option is that he needs a little bit more time to figure out if he's into you or not, but make no mistake. If, and when a guy is into you and feels possessive over you and wants you to be his, he will make you his, he will guys are hunter gatherers, you know? And so he will make that known. Now I can't tell you that he's going to make that known at the four week mark or the six week mark or the eight week mark, because every guy has a little bit of different timing, but. If things seem to be going really well and you guys are having a great time together and he hasn't said anything, then yeah, have a five minute uncomfortable conversation, bring it up, get your answer, and then the two of you can move forward. Millie's like- Millie, your
0: mic is off. I can't hear you.
2: Millie is so uncomfortable at the idea of talking to a guy about this that she just left (laughs) the
0: <laughs> um, yeah, why what am I so manipulative? Oh, oh here yeah. now we can hear you.
3: Well, I just put it to my regular like to the computer audio. Yeah, try.
0: it sounds a little staticky now. What about now? Now it's good. good.
3: Oh okay, so it's working., uh, that was weird. Yeah, <laughs> Literally, I was so uncomfortable with this conversation that <laughs>
2: yeah. um, but, but Natalie, that's a, that is I that what me, was gonna say. Anyway. That is a good tactic because if I really liked a girl, And she came to me and said, "Uh, listen, you know, am I free to date other people? Is that what's going on here? I just want to know what's going on. I would be like, absolutely not. Yeah. If I was really into her, you know, so it's manipulative, but. (laughs) I
0: I am quite manipulative, I will admit. (laughs) On the
2: other hand, if I wasn't that into her or if I was still kind of taking my time, Mm -hmm. i'd say like yeah sure like you know i can't tell you what to do you know Mm -hmm. but that's the polarity and that's the sort of black and white nature of guys that i'm trying to point out they're usually either ambivalent and taking their time and figuring it out or they're 100 percent in Mm -hmm. you know
3: no i agree increasingly i like the more i observe around me and like based on like my own experiences yeah if Someone likes you. You're just gonna know it, and there's no like thinking or wondering about it. It's just Like you'll know, um and it like shouldn't be hard.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um,
3: everyone, anyone listening, don't make excuses. Yeah,
0: yeah it's it's kind of like me and my, excuses, <laughs> and my current boyfriend. Like it was very. If I didn't think I was the one. That was slowing it down. And obviously everything is a generalization because in my situation, it was the complete opposite. Like he was the girl and I was the guy. Mm, How so? Um, Well, first of all, I did sleep with him on the first date,
2: Mm.
0: and he then he listened to all of our podcast episodes and on an earlier episode. I had said to Millie, I only sleep with guys on a first date if I'm not interested in getting serious. Wow. And that automatically made him really upset because he was interested in getting serious. And he told me that he... Um, he asked one of his girlfriends, like one of his friends that are, that's a girl, if this is a bad sign and if this means that I don't actually like him and that he should just drop it. And she was like, yeah, she's not into you, bro. Like, just let her go. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ended up... Like I, like I was pushing for things to like slow down and he's the one that wants to see me more often. Um, and he ended up like ending it for like about a week and then coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he was like the one that like asked to be exclusive. Like he was the one who like, like he took all the first steps and like, I was the emotionally immature one that was like, Oh, this is all freaking me out. Oh, I don't know. Um, but this kind of brings us to our last question of the episode, which was not necessarily a question, more of like an observation. Why does it seem like so many people have gotten into relationships during COVID? Mm.
1: Um,
2: I'm,
0: I'm a good example of that. I'm in my first relationship during COVID.
2: Yeah. Uh, I also was in a relationship during COVID that, you know, recently ended, um, and and that's a really interesting observation. Just to your your point about your your boyfriend though. Yeah, look, every situation is different. You know, mm-hmm. I've been in a relationship where I didn't touch the girl physically for three months, and then I've been in a relationship where we slept together on the second date. You know, mm-hmm. and so it, it, it doesn't always make or break it. These are generalizations and they're they're pretty reliable rules of thumb. Mm-hmm. But of course, every situation's a little bit different. About your boyfriend though actually you weren't being the guy and he was being the girl. He was being the guy because he was taking the initiative because he was into you. So that's the thing. If he's into you, he's going to take the first steps. You know, he's going to show up and he's going to try to, you know, move things along. Mm -hmm. Now in his case, sleeping with you on the first date to him, you know, wasn't a big deal. He didn't lose interest after that because he was probably really interested in you even before that. Mm -hmm. But that that situation is rare. You know, usually if a guy is sleeping with you on the first date afterwards, he's probably going to lose interest and, you know, not going to be that attached. You also have to know what your own emotional sort of attachment style is. So for me, if I sleep with a girl, I tend to get attached, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sort of an anomaly in that case. Like I don't always lose interest after sleeping with a girl. Sometimes it makes me disinterested sometimes it makes me feel more attached to her even if our personalities aren't a match Mm -hmm. you know so you have to know like the type of guy you are the type of girl you are and be true to that and follow that you know and you also for the third time you have to know what your intention is you know what do you want to get out of sleeping with somebody or dating somebody like why why are you doing this uh if you don't know your intention, then it's unfair because you're, you're toying with the other person's time and and their emotions. Yeah. Um, But to your question of why are so many people getting into relationships during COVID? The flip side of that question is why are so many people breaking up during COVID? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the, the answer is the same to both questions, which is that we are lonely and we feel pressure so it feels like the in the dating world the the rug has been pulled out from under us because there are fewer options and fewer ways to meet people you know and therefore we're lonely and we crave affection and we're socially isolated so we get into relationships Mm -hmm. but that means that a lot of the times we're getting into relationships that are not actually right for us so we're in it for three or four months, and then the relationship ends. Mm-hmm. So there's been an uptick in the number of relationships that have been starting during COVID, but there's also been an uptick in the number of relationships that have been ending during COVID. You know, so the social isolation and the loneliness and the anxiety and sort of the state of affairs of the world right now breed this sense of like urgency to get into a relationship. But if you're in a relationship that's not actually right for you or if you move too quickly with the person because it's COVID and you're bored and you're lonely and you don't have anything else to do, then, you know, you eventually find out that maybe that relationship is not right for you. And, of course, I don't – I hope that that doesn't happen with you and your boyfriend and I'm sure that you're (laughs) great for each other and you seem very happy together. But, yeah, you know, we – the the, so many things are up in the air and so out of control right now. And and we're so like lonely and isolated and bored and stuff like that, that, you know, it makes sense. You want to have a partner. You want to have somebody there to do things with and, and spend time with.
0: Yeah, for sure. I also feel like the answer to both of those, why people are getting into relationships and why people are breaking up is because of lost time. People are breaking up because they're like, I've already lost so much time and I know this probably isn't for me. So why waste more time on it? And people are getting into relationships because they're thinking, oh my God, I've lost so much time, especially mm-hmm. for girls, you know, because quote unquote in the Persian community, our expiration date is coming sooner than men's. Right. So I feel like for a lot of us that are like, our, in our mid twenties to early thirties, we're like a whole like, it's almost a year since – it's almost the one-year anniversary of corona. In a few months, it's going to be a year. And it's like we lost a whole year in our, like, dating years, and that's, like, a huge
2: deal. It's it's a huge deal uh, if you're kind of nearing the baby-making ages. Yeah. Um, and And that's not because of a Persian community thing. That's because of a biological thing. Well, yeah. yeah. Of course you can still have a kid when you're 37 when you're 38, whatever 40 people do it all the time, but it's more difficult and there's more pressure. Mm-hmm. So, you know if you if you're in your mid-30s and you're single and you really want to have a kid and you want to get married and stuff like that then yeah, you feel like a whole year of your life has been wasted right now and it's it's terrifying and it's it's really difficult. For people who are a little bit younger, you know there's not as much pressure but yes, the lost time totally factors in the urgency factors in the loneliness factors in. Mm-hmm. The boredom you know but uh those are not good reasons to get into a relationship usually if you're getting into a relationship because you're afraid or you're lonely or you feel urgency or you're bored you're not going to end up in the right relationship for you you might and hopefully you know that will be the case but if your motivation to get into a relationship is that you're driven by fear um you're more likely to choose the wrong person for you, mm-hmm. you know, because you ignore certain warning signs and stuff like that. Whereas, if your motivation to get into a relationship is that you're in a good place, you feel calm, you feel really relaxed, and you actually want to be in this relationship, then you're more likely to choose a good person for you. And that sounds more like your situation, Natalie. Like, I don't know anything about you and this guy, but I know that, like, you're very even keel, you're always having a good time you didn't need to be in a relationship. You had never been in a relationship and the thing kind of just fell in your lap yeah. rather than thinking, oh my God, I need to have a kid. Like I'm getting old, so forth and so on. I really need to find a guy. And then you, you, know, you choose a guy and maybe he's not right for you. And by the way, guys feel the same pressure. Although we don't have the same biological clock, like I'm 28, I'm not old, but I want to get married and I want to be a young dad. So I feel that pressure too. You know, I certainly feel sometimes like there are no good women left out there for me and you know, what's going to happen and I need to find someone. And, you know, but again, being driven by that motivation will choose will will, will kind of force you to choose the wrong person for you.
3: Uh, So I have like a, Just so I know we had our last question, but I remember that I saw a TikTok, (laughs) but um, it's like this guy who, I don't know, he seems like a Redditor, like a crazy, I don't know, like 4chan guy, but he has this, like, this video is like, oh, my thoughts on the relationship pyramid. And he lists like his standards for um, a relationship. And I wanted to hear what you thought. So um like the whole thing is to so he says that the base of the the pyramid is like sexual attraction and then if there's just sexual attraction you see them just twice and then next is personality compatibility um where like you can vibe and laugh at each other's jokes and then if it's just those two then like just the sex and personality compatibility then it's just five dates okay and then um, shared integral interest and that's intellectual conversations. Um, So all of that being combined, that's only, um, like, I don't know, that's still not, it's just crazy. Like there's all these things and it's like, oh, next is lifestyle compatibility. How comfortable are we doing nothing together? And then there's like another tier, another tier. It's like, like I'm, when I first saw that, I was like, oh my God, me. And then I was like, wait, why? Like, that's not okay. Like, why am I so, like, that's something I do. I always sabotage, like, um, Mm -hmm. when I meet people and like, and Natalie, she's like one of the first people to always hear this. I'm like, oh my God, like, they didn't know who this person, that person was. Like, they're an idiot. Like, why should I waste my time? Like, I, it's, it's so stupid. Like, I, I kind of judge on some of those other factors, like what was it—the integral intellectual compatibility thing? Um, yeah, this is, this is me being very vulnerable, by the way. So I have, I have to. No, I, but what do you
2: different
3: what different. do you make of that? Like, what do you think of people who have those kinds of standards?
2: I think that everybody needs to have higher standards, um, but that does not necessarily equate to being entitled or making demands or having higher expectations so you shouldn't need you shouldn't necessarily have higher standards for the other person where you're making demands of the other person and you're entitled to receive things from the other person i think you should have higher standards for yourself meaning the way that you conduct yourself and the decisions that you make Are decisions that feel right to you and feel appropriate to you are and are in line with your own values and you don't compromise your values or go against your code for the sake of a relationship or pleasing a guy or pleasing a girl and so forth and so on so well,
3: it's not sorry no go ahead i like i get that but for i guess like what I'm saying is for me, like that, that would be my, that's where I have to sacrifice. And I'm sure for other people, there's like different area, you know, like sometimes there's like, and when you're dating someone, you have different love languages and maybe like, that's something that either person will have to sacrifice or maybe for someone else, again, it's not like a a thing that, oh, they're not as smart or so. It's it's not even a smart thing. Like what I'm saying is like, I'll get annoyed if someone's not educated on specific things. So for someone else, it could be like, Oh, they don't look a certain way. Like looks are like a little bit less for me. So, for people who do feel like, how do you kind of um, figure out like what is like where you sacrifice? Do you know what I mean? Like how it's kind of like picking like pros and cons, and it's like it's like balancing this line of like kind of having standards, but also it's teetering the line of being judgmental. Mm-hmm. And do you know what I mean? And snobby.
2: Yes. You don't want to. You want to have high standards, but you also don't want to be too picky, um, and you know you don't want to be snobby or entitled. So basically, you know my my sort of remedy for this is: what first of all, you have to understand that all compatibility, like all of that stuff in that pyramid, you know the the sexual thing and the integral interests and the lifestyle and stuff like that, that is secondary to values. So. You will, will not be compatible with somebody unless your values are the same. So, oh, that was,
3: that's like the last thing of the pyramid. I just didn't get that. Like, that's what he builds up to. It's like, that's oh, okay. how it leads in marriage. If like you have the same value system or something. Oh, it's cool. like all of those things and values, and like all the comments are like, LOL, you're going to be single forever. Or is, right. you, know, you,
2: can't, you, you can't have it all. Like you can make a, a list of a hundred things you want in a person and you're not going to get 99 of them. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, there are certain areas where you have to sacrifice the area that you cannot sacrifice is your values and your non-negotiables. So your values, your list of values should be short, but powerful and your list of non-negotiables should also be short, but powerful. So non-negotiables are, for example, um, I won't date a guy who's not Jewish or I won't date a guy who smokes or I won't date a guy who has like a temper problem, like an anger problem. Right? So those are like three non-negotiables that you are not willing to compromise on because you have high standards for yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, most people, their list of non-negotiables is 50 things. And that's why they're single forever because they don't bend on anything and they don't, you know, they, they think that they deserve to get every single thing that they want. Mm-hmm. Your list of values is also something that you can't compromise on because if your values are not the same as the other person's, then the two of you will never work out. So if you're asking like, where do I think you can make sacrifices? I think, you know, the good areas to make sacrifices are in personality and in lifestyle. So for example, maybe you always wanted to be with a guy who is really outgoing and really confident and stuff like that. Maybe his personality is a little bit more shy or a little bit more timid, but he has all the same values and he doesn't break any of your non negotiables, and you have a great time together. So, you bend a little bit on what you wanted in terms of personality. Or, like in my last relationship, I hate traveling. I hate airplanes. I hate road trips. Like, I like to just be home with my dog and be comfortable. She loved to travel. So, like, she's a world traveler. So, you know, lifestyle difference, like, okay, I've got to bend a little bit on that. It's not ideal for me, but. I'll travel with her once in a while, or I'll let her, you know, she can go travel with her friends and I'll sit some of the trips out. So that's where, you know, I'm willing to make certain sacrifices, but you cannot sacrifice your compatibility in terms of your standards or your values or what your non-negotiables are. Um, Because, you know, then, then the relationship just, it just won't, it just won't work out and and you won't be happy. Um, I also think, and Look, you know th- this might get me in trouble to say, but but I hope that this will be helpful to people. You have to know who you are. Like, dog dates dog, cat dates cat, level five person dates level five person, level twelve person dates level twelve person. You know, so you can't have an overinflated self, an overinflated sense of your ego. Like, if you walk around thinking that you are the greatest thing since sliced bread and that you only deserve to be with the greatest person ever, then I think your ego is a little bit overinflated. You know, most of the time in a good, stable relationship, you will end up with somebody who is your complementary opposite. So for you, Millie, if you're really educated and education is very important to you, then in a good, stable relationship, you will probably end up with somebody who is educated you probably aren't gonna be happy with somebody who's a hillbilly who didn't graduate the fourth grade, right? So the two of you are on different levels. And there is such a thing as being out of a person's league. It doesn't mean that you're better than a person, but it means that you are in different leagues, you operate differently, you think differently, you have backgrounds that are too fundamentally different. So you gotta know who you are, what's important to you, what your emotional needs are, and then you base your compatibility on that, right? So who you're going to be compatible with is not so much based on what you want as it is based on who you are and what your own needs are. Does that make sense?
3: Mm -hmm. No, that's really well said.
2: Like you can make a list. I want 150 things in a guy. I want him to have this, that, that, and that. Yeah. But that list has to be based on who you are and what your own emotional needs are, what your own values are, not based on who he is or what he has. Your compatibility is determined by who you are and what your needs are. And I can't stress that enough. So go home, take a look in the mirror, ask yourself who you are, what you need, and sort of what league you are in. You know, what's your background? What's your education? You know, what type of a person are you and then find somebody who's in the same leagues find somebody who operates the same way and has the same values and thinks the same way
3: yeah i like that also just like side note when i mean educated i don't mean it in this like kind of elitist way like education comes in in many forms sure.
2: so i was just to, using that as just, no
3: thing. no no i know i know just like a for our listeners so they don't hate me anymore. <laughs> i'm kidding but um no, I really I really liked what you said. I hope that I think it would be will be relatable to our listeners as well.
2: Um, awesome. well if your listeners have any questions about any of this stuff, these are the conversations I have all day long with my clients, trying to help them figure these things out, trying to help them figure out like who their match is and where to find that person and how to create that relationship. So any of your listeners can reach out to me anytime on Instagram. It's just my name, Kevin Nahai. Um, Send me a DM. I'll be there. We can have a phone call. You know, I'll give anybody, you know, a free consultation or whatever, just to help them, you know, get on track. So anything I can do to be there, uh, please use me.
3: (laughs) Please use me. Well, -hmm. thank you so much for coming on.
2: Thank you guys.
0: Yeah. Thank you for all your advice. I'm honestly, I'm like, I'm going to go, to my room after this and kind of like honestly try to look at myself and understand what league I'm in because I feel like a lot of the time people expect so much of a part out of a partner when they're not actually in that league. I think that's so important. So I really appreciate your advice, Kevin.
2: So important. And just on, on a last note, people, like you said, people expect so much of the other person when they're not in that league. Look, Your mom, your best friend, everybody, that probably been telling you your whole life, oh, you deserve the best, Natalie June. You know, you're amazing. You deserve the best. I want the best for you, blah, blah, blah. Here's the truth. Mm -hmm. The truth is that you (laughs) deserve what you give. What you deserve is based on Mm -hmm. what you give. So if you want to level up to a league, then you need to level up on your level of giving. You need to level up on how Mm -hmm. affectionate you're being, how communicative you're being, how committed you're being. Whatever mistakes you made in the past are in the past, you let them go. If you're not happy with the league that you're mm-hmm. in, then you need to give more, and that's how you are going to deserve to receive more. So, what you deserve yeah. is not based on how you look, or how much money you have, or who your parents are, or your social media cloud, or anything like that. What you deserve to receive in a relationship is based on what you give. Amen. I love that. Thank okay. you, Kevin of course preach pleasure to talk to you guys
3: yeah we'll speak soon
2: okay talk to you later
3: bye bye guys